right, man, let's have some fun. Welcome to Flex This. I'm your host, Jen Hoffman. This podcast is just really meant to share stories and experiences of humans exercising their muscles of curiosity and self-awareness in their everyday lives. I just really believe that there is no right or wrong in all of this. There's just truth. And truth is just really personal, ever-expanding and evolving, and quite frankly, the journey of a lifetime. And I just really hope that through these conversations, you can see parts of yourself in your own journey, and they can offer you some guideposts that resonate and help you to connect with your highest and most authentic self. Uh, Today, I have my really good friend, Lydia Prusinowski. Lydia is an emergency room physician's assistant in a busy trauma room in Denver, Colorado. Though a practitioner of Western medicine, her passion can be found in the healing of energy and transcendence. Welcome, Lydia. Thank you. So, buddy, um, I've known Lydia since high school. Um, I feel like her and I have been having these types of conversations, though I'd like to at least say that they're a lot more mature than when we first started. <laughs> yeah, um, a bit. <laughs> but from as long as I've known Lydia, we've either were up late talking on the phone or, um, you know, eventually in college with AIM. We're going to take my data. Hello, Yeah. <laughs> um and in my space right and um crazy enough we played against each other in college um basketball and just um have kind of always stayed in touch and had some really deep conversations and enlightening thoughts and um i'm just really glad she's here and took the time to be able to do this because i know right now in the midst of covid um man she's got her plate full so i really appreciate you taking this time and and sharing your journey friend yeah of course um, so one thing that really interests me about this, and you and I've talked about it numerous times, is um, what makes somebody choose this journey? And um, I, I'm interested if you have any moment in your life where you kind of realize you're, you're you know, swimming upstream, you're not a dead fish going down the river, um, and kind of going against the grain of what humanity said you should do and challenging the world around you. Yeah, so I think... That's kind of a loaded question, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think uh, growing up, I felt um, like sports defined me, but then I didn't feel as though I really even knew who I was. Um, you know, you could you could have you could have said Lydia was the athlete and Lydia was this or Lydia was that, but then the more I look back at it, it was almost like Lydia was just kind of like a little bit strange, you know, and I always found myself kind of drawn to medicine um, in many realms. It's, you know, my dad's a, a PA as well. And so it was just, there was, it was always kind of around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember um, in college, I was, I had this like huge aspiration to be a marketing major um <laughs> i wanted to like do sports marketing with like nike uh-huh. and this was the midst the regression of whatever it was 2002 2003 and my dad was like well why don't you just do medicine and i was like i never really thought about it i didn't think that it was ever like really smart enough for it you know mm-hmm. and then it was the more i got involved with it i was like oh yeah this is just like simple and then so it was always like i had like this innate healing or like a draw to like doing some type of healing in me Mm. and then throughout PA school it was just western medicine western medicine western medicine and then one of my first rotations was at a trauma center in Flint and um and one of my preceptors was very very much on the spiritual path and we had we had a patient code and it was the first time I had seen anyone actively pass. And obviously it was uh, a little traumatizing for me, but then afterwards she said something that was like pretty profound. And she was just like, Sprout, what do you, what do you believe in? And, um, and I think that conversation then and there just kind of opened my mind to something has to be different. There has to be more, there has to be something higher. There has to be something, um, just deeper Mm. Uh, and I think in my years after PA school the more you know I had those conversations with her it was just um 
kind of just like getting deeper and deeper in the consciousness. And so it was always felt like I was pulled to some type of like healing ability. Mm. And she would always say, she's like, I'm not, she would always, what would she say? She would say, I want to be their healer, not their practitioner. Mm. And, and I didn't think it, it never really resonated until several years after, you know, after I had moved out to Colorado and it truly was like, I would much rather be someone's healer than the, just like their, their, their physician assistant or their provider or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it holds like so much truth to it because it's like, I think when you're a provider, you don't really have that deep connection, but when you're a healer, like you have that spiritual, emotional, physical, um, connection with, with the person. And so it's just like that much deeper, um, and so I think like that's when it kind of all just kind of started was when, you know, the first time that I, I, I had that patient and it all kind of started to make sense then. And then like after that moment, it felt like everything was like lining up to like help me on this like path of consciousness and spirituality and whatever you might want to call it. Mm. Um, so I feel like it's almost been like just a lifelong kind of a journey of meeting the right people at the right time to open my mind and open my heart. Yeah. I think it's interesting in general that, you know, I'm a firm believer life is happening for you. Right. And, um, you know, Pema Chopin says that you, you, the, the lesson will repeat itself till you learn it. Right. And it's always interesting to me that when, if you really look back at your life, if you look back at, if you were to, you know, map it out, right. And you look at this moment, whether that was a partner you were dating or like a career you were pursuing, you, you actually needed it to get to the next thing mm-hmm. and you need the next thing for the next thing. And it's just kind of building upon building your life upon all these different moments in your life that are like these forks in the road that you could have done one thing and you didn't. Um, and like knowing you for as long as I have too, it's interesting to hear you. Well, one, you went to a Catholic school, right? I went to a Catholic school from sixth grade until I graduated PA school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then, you know, any of the conversations that we had, because I grew up Catholic, didn't go to a Catholic school, but I did have to do all the catechism and confirmation and you went to Siena then you went to a Catholic college then I went to a Catholic school a super liberal Catholic school actually um the nuns were dope super dope um just not not a normal experience especially in like southeast Detroit like (laughs) our southeast Michigan like nowhere near Detroit and (laughs) it's just a very unique experience um but like I you know I think about if you it's almost like you had to like unlearn those things, right? Like I didn't grow up in, I wouldn't even say I grew up in a religious house. I grew up in a house that my father, you know, had a very religious background, but like he did it because that's what he was supposed to do. And then because he, he was supposed to, he just had us do it. Right. Cause he did, that's what you did. You went to, you went to church on Sunday and the holidays and, but there was no spirituality in my house. There was no, um, talk of faith or talk of hope or you know to me I don't know if you feel this way and I think it's interesting that you know comparing our journeys how you start at this very like regulated equation-like version of quote-unquote faith and I I, I shouldn't say I won't say quote-unquote faith quote-unquote faith for me I don't want to qualify that for somebody that um is Catholic I'm not trying to say that but for me and my journey um I just, I couldn't relate. I didn't understand the stories. Like, and now I look at life and like, everything is spiritual to me. Like everything is showing me either something I need to work on in me or um, reminding me of the journey that I'm on. Um, Right. Yeah. So, so for you, like, is it, do you still talk to this, this, this practitioner? Um, Not really. Uh, once I, once I left Michigan, um, so almost five or six years ago now, um, and like, and then I got off of Facebook, um, I really lost contact with them, Hmm. but I actually just found them on Instagram again. So I messaged her and, you know, she's, uh, I think socially media, uh, 
inept and so you know it's kind of <laughs> difficult to to kind of you know direct message her and get a response she'll be like oh just call me and I'm like okay like I don't have your number anymore but like <laughs> I don't call me here's mine you know um and so like I would love to continue to, to talk with her but um I haven't actually in a long time I think it'd be cool to like catch up with her and have her kind of see where I'm at now you know yeah and you know what's interesting I remember this one time and this is so this has just popped up in my head and so I felt like it was kind of relevant um there was this one time my one of my best friends and I we were out in we were somewhere outside of it was in Indiana but it was along the the coast of Lake Michigan so probably like 30 40 minutes away from Chicago okay and we went to some random like some random beach party for fourth of July that like some of her teammates knew mm-hmm. and it was like the strangest thing because at that point like I knew I was gay and this dude who's like fairly attractive like kept talking to me and like kept being like let's go to the water and talk and I was like what and he'd be like, you just got it. You have it. And I was like, I really have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, one day you'll, you'll realize what I'm saying. And I was like, I have literally no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but now I can look back in that moment and be like, oh, yeah. All right. Like, I understand what he was saying, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, like you said, it was like all these small moments of like building blocks and building blocks and building blocks to kind of to get where you're at in this pre- present moment, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, like energies attract, you know, and I think um, you build your tribe as you, as you, because this isn't, this is a work of a lifetime. You're never going to stop doing this. You know, inevitably you're going, if, if you're on this path, you are going to be constantly looking at what no longer serves you. Um, you know, I, I'm just turned 37 and there's still things where I'm like, oh, wow, that from my childhood is why I respond like that. Right. And, and, there's so many layers to be unpacked and it's, you know, Brene always talks about it and I love that, but she also says like, you don't have any right to say anything about it unless you're in the ring fighting too. And um, she uses the man in the arena quote often. I think like when you, I think a lot of people want this. I think they think, I don't know if it's people believe it's inaccessible or um, there's there's fear, or I don't know what the deterrent is or what withholds, but I don't think people don't want this because I think this is why we were put here, is to kind of be centered and grounded in ourselves enough that then you can see the people that even if you don't like them, even if you don't disagree with them, you can still holistically look at them and mm-hmm. honor them and um, gain because yeah. we have something to learn from everybody. It's just... It is the work of a lifetime. Uh, you know, with that being said, what are some of the things that you use to like barometers or measuring tools like to make sure you're th- showing up most authentically or, um, you know, realizing parts of yourself that, yeah, that's not going to work for me anymore. I want to go in this direction. And how do you do that for yourself if you're, if you're willing to share? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... Like I can, I can tell when I'm kind of getting, I'm getting off my, um, my grounded state, I guess you would call it. Mm-hmm. Cause then I start watching more TV. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I'm starting to watch more TV, that generally means, um, A, I'm working too much, B, I'm getting depressed or, um, see, I'm just not doing the things that I know that I need to do to just stay grounded and stay in a good place. Yeah. And for me, those things are, you know, like working out, whether that's like actually strength training or going to something like soul cycle, um, or writing or journaling, um, or painting or even reading or cooking food, you know, like those are the things that I know that I have to do, um, to stay kind of just authentic um like I don't have to do anything crazy that is a barometer for me to be like I'm being my authentic self because I think over the past four years for me it's just been a constant work of being my authentic self so now it's just like it's kind of easy yeah for sure it's like it's not hard to just 
show up and, and be me now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I can, I can feel myself getting into like those funks. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch a ton of TV and I'm certain it's going to make me, you know, like help me get out of this funk. And I'm like, wait, why am I in such a funk? You know, and then it's like, oh, I need to go drive to the mountains on uh, like a snowy Sunday afternoon. And then I get stuck in the mountains. And you're like, oh, well, this is perfect. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, but then it's like a reset of like, why did I have to get to this point to like mm-hmm. drive to the mountains on a snowy day and get stuck to like get reset? Yeah. You know? It's but funny how we do that. To, well, I have to go from extreme to extreme. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not um surprising when I go from one extreme to the other and I'm like oh now I'm fine um but but I think in terms of you know at work especially like you come in contact with so many people that inevitably there's going to be something that you kind of clash with regardless of how nice you're trying to be yeah and I definitely have those moments with um with patients at times and I'm like why am I not getting along with them like why like what is the disconnect between us like why can't we connect or or sometimes even like the practitioners that I work with and I'm like okay what is it about this like situation that is making me perturbed in some way Mm. you know what is it about them that's like upsetting me or making me feel unsettled and then I feel like those are the moments where I'm like ah I should probably go focus on that or like work about it or like work on it or journal about it or just process it Mm-hmm. and it's like you said like those lessons just keep on showing up and showing up and you're like oh fuck I gotta do this again I'm sorry <laughs> um, no, but, it's, um true, it's really true but um and so you know a few years ago I think that would have been different where I was like oh I have to like hold myself accountable in this way in this way in this way and now it's just like it's just showing up to doing things that I know fill my cup yeah you know and it's just like, I think filling the cup and filling the cup and making sure that you're not trying to give from an empty cup too, you know? Yeah. And knowing when you're getting to empty or when you're in empty and you're in, you know, patterns, you know, right. We are, we're, we're, we are very complex and yet we're very simple. And, right. um, you know, I think that dichotomy of what you're describing of extremes is actually how most human beings live. You don't, there's no such, for me, I, I can relate as like, there's no real version of quote unquote balance. Often for me, it's like, for example, I either am all in or I don't give a shit. Like right. you Same. either get all of me or none of me. You don't, I, I don't yeah. want to just dip my toes into life. I'm mm-hmm. cannonballing or I'm not, I don't want even, I don't even want to get in the water. Like leave me alone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's hard too when you're a person like that because um, you could very easily be at a tipping point um, in the wrong direction. And I appreciate you sharing that, you know, once you, because this is like exercise, like this is, you know, they say habits take 21 days. And then once it's a habit, um, you know, it's part of your journey, like to not be authentic, to not show up fully, to not live your truth just feels like not an option. It's not even something right. you think about anymore. And right. um, really like the people and the things that trigger you and, 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 and make you more upset, all that really is, is you're reminding yourself that, you know, Rumi says we're all mirrors, you know, all, that's just polishing yeah. what needs to be polished into you. And usually it's not anything to do with that person at all. It's usually something about you that they're right. bringing up for you. Um, yeah. But well, yeah. you know, it's an interesting point too because you said earlier um, about you know different parts of the journey and and different like you know you can look back at all these things. But it's also interesting how you you really have to be ready for it too. You know you can't just oh, think, yeah. oh I'm going to be woke now like that's not right. how it works. You know that's why I you know with racism, um, I think we need to offer each other a little bit more grace and accountability at the same time. I know that's a really hard dance. But there's a lot of shame because white privilege people didn't ask for it, but it's still a reality. And, um, you know, there's so many shame triggers inside of those conversations and people get defensive. Um, and, and that's not, that's not what the conversation supposed to be used for. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, for me, like 
I'm using that as an example, because for me, like when, if someone gets turned up around that and you can see them getting, you can see them like literally their body language is changing. They're uncomfortable. They're getting hot. You, you know, you know that they're like literally in cortisol effect. They're just, they're not even listening to you. They're just listening with the intent to reply and to make sure yeah. that they not have the conversation anymore because they're so uncomfortable. Um, right. But like, that's not about racism. That's about your perception of the racism. Like racism right. is a fact. It is, it, it, it is. Your response doesn't make it any less relevant or true. Right. And at the same time, you know, you didn't ask for privilege either, right? Like you didn't, it's such a weird balance of like, I, you didn't ask for, you know, to have certain, you didn't ask to be at second base when everybody else has to start at home plate, right? You didn't right. ask for that, but it's also a reality and there's ownership inside of that too. But anyway, that's a, a, a random thing that I, like that, um, a triggering point I've seen a lot lately in our world of how people are really reactive versus responsive to the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's like a very potent version of this is the mirror looking back at you. Your response to this conversation is about you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is an interesting time for for everyone just kind of, kind of looking at themselves in the mirror and, and just figuring out like, why is this triggering me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think COVID exasperated all the issues we already had, quite frankly. None oh, of this yeah. stuff is new. All it did was say, guess what? You have just to face say, it. Right. Yeah. Just put gasoline on the fire. Literally. You know, I was in yeah. a lot of ways really hopeful that um, people being forced to hunker down would cause some self-reflection, <laughs> like forced to not be able to do things, forced to not be able to um, distract from whatever it is that's making you uncomfortable because life showed up to say, here I am. This is a thing you need to work on, right? Right. But. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but I already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. Um, this, you know, I think it's an interesting thing where people, um, almost have this desire for change or to evolve or to grow or transcend or to have this consciousness or to get a, a higher level of frequency or consciousness, you know, like I look back now and it's like I've been doing this for I've been working on this in some way almost for 10 years now and it's like oh even more and it's only until recently do I feel entirely comfortable like with it and um and I think essentially realizing my gifts and being comfortable with my gifts and using my gifts too you know and so it's not like it's just something that just comes and you pick up some some book at the spirituality store and you're like oh yeah like yeah now I get it now I'm like now it makes sense and now I'm spiritual you know yeah it's like it's just it's it, it truly is it's like one road right after another followed by another fork followed by another fork followed by another fork you know I like I look back and I think man what would have been would have how would my life be different if I would have moved to LA instead of Colorado yeah you know, like, what would I be like now if I would have not gone on that vision quest for my 30th birthday and had these experiences that were like, yeah, you should probably go to Colorado instead of LA. Hmm. And it's just, it's just fascinating to me that like, I decided to go to, on a vision quest instead of going to some Odessa, you know, festival concert for my 30th birthday, you know, and then it's just like, I was drawn to sit by the pond that day during the vision quest and like ask questions, you know, it's just like all these little things that you're just like, wow, like this could have been entirely different. Right. You know, and then, you know, even, even so I'm on vacation right now in Florida and my aunt and uncle asked me if I would ever move to move back to Michigan and move back, move down to Florida. And a huge part of me was like, I would, it would take something grand for me to move back to Michigan though I love Detroit <laughs> and I love the people of Detroit like 
I never felt at home there entirely. You know, like even with our the little group of people that we had that would go to stilettos on every <laughs> Saturday night. Like I can't say that I actually like felt seen by most of them. Yeah. You know? Um I feel like for most of the time I was ridiculed because I was always like studying or just like very quiet or kind of reserved. Um, And now I'm like, wow, I'm a completely different person, you know? And so it's just like, but to think about coming into my own, I like, I have to go back to moving to Colorado five years ago, six years ago and being like, this is when it all started to like make sense. Like, this is when I found my tribe. Like, this is when I found my people. Um, And it's just been, like, growing and growing and growing ever since then. And so, again, it's not like there was, like, this moment where I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Colorado so I can have a greater consciousness, so I can transcend, so I can have all of these great thoughts and then, you know, keep growing, you know? It was just like, oh, shit, like, I don't want to be in Michigan anymore. My vision quest told me to move to Colorado. So I'm going to go, go try that. <laughs> yeah. But now I look back and I'm like, I couldn't, it would be really, really hard for me to leave everything that I've created in Colorado, despite being landlocked with zero true like water forms, you know, Yeah. to play in. And so for me in that regard, like I know that I have to have water and I have to have the ocean and beach. And so now it's like, now I realize that I have to, even if it's a river, then I have to go put my feet in the river, even if it's frigid, you know, at least like once a month, or I have to take a trip to the beach once a month. (laughs) And that's almost like my barometer of these are the things that like I need to do to stay healthy and to stay sane because going to the mountains, skiing down a hill, like, or mountains, like it doesn't feel me like it does many people. Um, but that community of Denver and the people that I've met in Denver is just, um, I think that more than anything is what has like really propelled me into like this different type of energy state or spirituality or transcendence or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. The, the fork in the road thing is always interesting to me. I do it all the time. Like I was getting recruited by, Air Force actually, because my aunt and uncle were stationed in Colorado Springs. And so they would have never found me. I went to a small school north of Detroit and I was tiny. So most people thought by my, if you just looked at my, like, you know, but my height, I I can't hoop. And um, going to Colorado Springs, I mean, they they were recruiting me just from going to a basketball camp there. Yeah. And at the time, because of all like the Catholic rules, my parents were pretty strict. I just was like, yeah, that's, there's no way I'm going there. (laughs) There's no way. I don't like structure. I don't like to be told what to do. And then now I look at my life and I'm like, actually, that's complete lie. I probably would have done. Well, no, I wouldn't have, because you can also do what would my life have been like with that and can compare the way that like, Oh, would have made my life better now. But the reality is I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that type of structure, even though that's how I function now. Yeah. I needed to have the journey that I did in order to be able to have the structure that I do now and the beliefs that I do now and to hold that in regard. I mean, grad school, I went to slippery rock, Pennsylvania, like, I had that or I was going to go to Hawaii. The only reason why I didn't go to Hawaii for grad school was because of Nalu, my dog, because I wasn't mm-hmm. going to fly her. And what a small, small thing. But I, if I wouldn't have done that, I, I would have never played professional women's football for five years. I would have never met my partner because I lived there for 10 years. Like you can say what if or whatever else, but then what's so amazing to me is that like, it's just a reminder that, yeah, that could have happened, but also life is happening for you and you got what you needed in order to be able to receive the gift that's yours to begin with. Right. And what's really important to me too, and, and is that this journey, the, the, the gifts that life has offered you for you to become who you are, are your gifts back to the world. This, right. this, this journey, this work is your present back to life by fully showing up Cause it's like, we're, we're, we're little fucking snowflakes, right? Like right. we're never repeated. We're never going to be repeated. 
you you came now you're not coming you know a, a century from now or a century ago you're here right now because you were meant to do something that only you could do right now right. how how like if you look at it that way i don't know for at least for me i don't know how you can look at life and be like all oh, this is a mistake right like all the choices i made all the forks in the road i made the wrong decision you didn't you made the perfect decision it's all right mass chaos perfection that is completely imperfect and it's it, it, it's and it's hard too because you know especially now i mean when we were kids i can't imagine being in high school now right junior high like i mean there's some blessings in that i probably would have known i was gay a lot sooner um right. i you know i didn't have anybody that looked like me. i mean you know we didn't have anybody that looked like us growing up at all mm -hmm. like the closest thing for me was james bond and obviously i wasn't a dude so um, <laughs> that was the thing that I wanted was I, every time I saw James Bond, I was like, why can't I wear a tuxedo all the time and drive a badass car and fight crime? That sounds awesome. Can I do that? That's what I wanted mm -hmm. to do in my life. But um, mostly the tuxedo and the, and the nice car. I don't know if I really care about the crime, to be honest. Maybe the hot shapes. But <laughs> <laughs> kidding, 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 Ashley. Um, <clears throat> But, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know how it's so easy to compare the path next to you. It's so easy to be like, oh, they have this or they're doing that, or this is their version of authenticity or truth. And it's really hard to like figure out what is for you. But that's why I think these conversations are so important because it, it's similar because the same set of emotions are rooted inside of all this, right? Like we, we all experience joy, fear, um, what it means to feel authentically aligned on um, the moments when you showed up and that was sacred and someone didn't handle it with care. We all know those emotions, even though outside of that emotion, the experience looks a little bit different. I think these conversations are important because the more we can talk about it, the more we can normalize it, the more we share our experiences of those things. Like you saying, you know, when I go down the TV tunnel, like, you know, eventually I'm going to realize I need to go put my feet in some snow or in the water. I need to do something right. different. I need to create, you know, right. And it, people forget too, like cre creating is cooking a beautiful meal. Creating is, Oh, taking notes while listening to a podcast creating is playing with you know your workouts like for me that's a, that to me that's art every day I change my my workouts pretty much every day and I base it off how my body feels which is a check-in point for me um and I get to play with with my body that sounds weird saying it like that but like if I get to play with the ideas of what I know um, but it took a lot of work. I had to be a personal trainer for years and I had mm -hmm. to figure out what didn't work for me and had a lot of shitty injuries between my back. And you know, I just had ACL surgery a year and a half ago. And, you know, it, it's, it's not like you just get to this point. It's seeing that right. like every little nuance, even if it, it feels like it's minuscule is not, it's literally the next right. thing to propel you to well, the next thing. Right. I heard um, a quote actually by Giannis probably like a month or so ago, if not a little bit more. And he essentially was saying, you have to find the joys in life. Mm. Even if you're having, you can always, you can be happy and you can be sad, but the, the difference is, is making sure that you find the joy in all of those moments right. and I was like okay Giannis like Jesus okay like you're getting <laughs> deep dude yeah. but then I realized that like it's so true it's like to have joy you don't have to be happy or sad right you just have to find the moment of gratitude for which you smiled for like one second in a day or like something that made you feel good for a minute during the shittiest part of your day you know yeah. um you know, and for me, that that often is in the midst of a very, very like chaotic shift of a patient just opening almost their heart and, and just 
not necessarily thinking, but we'll just, we'll say something different or like say something that allows me to acknowledge that they're grateful for what I've done for them, you know, and, and in the year, that's not all that frequent. You don't, you don't get people who are grateful for what you've done for them. Um, and so in those moments of pure chaos for like someone to, to thank you or to, to compliment you in some way is just always like, okay, like we're here. Like, this is, this is okay. Like we're going to be okay. Yeah. What's well, validating. It makes you feel seen. Right. And, and for you, you know, knowing you, you know, for as long as I've known you, healing has been something that you've been powered, like empowered and um, drawn to, you know, yeah. even when you didn't know that you wanted to be a PA and you were an undergrad, like the empath and you just really saw people's confusion and, and you wanted them to be aligned and you, you wanted them to have joy and you wanted them to feel like they mattered. And, yeah. you know, it might've looked different when we were 21 at Stilettos, <laughs> but it, it, yeah. it's just, you know, <laughs> transcending to, 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 it's innately who you are. And I, and I think, you know, what was really great about you and knowing you and like watching this journey alongside you and just being able to honor and witness and just the playfulness you have with your spirituality too, of like trying to figure out, like, I want to heal, but I, 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 I practice in Western medicine. And what does that mean? You know, holistically outside of my job or even in my job and how can I connect in ways that are more meaningful and that align with what you believe in. Um, it's been fun being your friend and, and watching and hearing you share some of the stuff you wrestle with. Well, likewise. Yeah. It, do you have, um, you mentioned the one practitioner. Um, do you have anybody else or any other thing that has been super influential on this journey and just really inspires you to stay here? Um, hmm. Another loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think when I get those patients in the ER who have had abdominal pain or have had some sort of pain or something that quote can't be explained by medicine or quote um, all your labs and all your CTs and all your imaging is fine. Like I, I don't know why you're having this, you know. For example, like I had, um, you know, I have back and neck problems like most of college athletes do. And so it was just, I always get these, these spasms that cause my, my arms to kind of intermittently go numb. And I was a few years ago, I think it was 2017. I was watching the Michigan football game against Ohio state and Michigan of course lost. <laughs> and I was getting, I was getting my spasms in my back and I was like, oh, that's just fine, whatever. But it was like more intense than normal. It was lasting longer than normal. So I stood up to get my massage ball and then my foot was numb. I was like, well, that's strange. And it was like kind of dizzy, but then I had to go to work and, and I told one of the docs that I'm really close with at work about it. And she was like, Lid, you need to, you need to sign it. And I was like, I'm not signing in. I'm not, I'm fine. You know, I was like, I could be half dead on this floor and I wouldn't sign in. Come on, you know? So I signed in, of course. And, um, and the MRI shows this old infarct. So an old, um, you know, stroke, if you will, of my left cerebellum. And I was like, oh, well, that's shocking. Um, it was interesting because I had, you know, the $80,000 workup and quote we can't explain why you why this happened I'm like of course you can't like this it doesn't make sense at all <laughs> but it was it was like the only thing that seemed to explain that in that moment was um Louise Hayes kind of emotional descriptor of physical symptoms and I forget what it was at this point but when I read it the um, like the physical ailment kind of associated with the emotional mm -hmm. aspect of it I was just like holy shit like 
that makes so much more sense than any any test that I could have ever done. Yeah. So the the story is, I think when I have those patients or even myself, of like being able to to direct people to potentially other modalities other than Western medicine, other than here's a pill, here's a pill, here's a pill to treat something. And, and I think that's what kind of motivates me to figure out this way of, can I combine the two? Can I somehow like figure out a way to use the knowledge and the, like the tests of Western medicine to help people um, heal their energy, their energetical being or mm. um, their emotional being, their spiritual being um, in a different way almost that would help their physical being um and so i think that's what kind of just keeps me going and keeps me motivated to keep figuring shit out yeah i i people don't um i'm a firm believer of this you know i don't think well but no no energy is benign like nothing's benign when you don't face things when you aren't your authentic truth like when you don't bring the most authentic version of yourself to the table when you don't stand in your truth that has weight that has negative energy you you weren't meant here to be bottled up and you know not able to be aligned in your world i mean to me that's one of the i don't know if you feel this way there's there's a handful of things that are really hard for me um and it's probably, you know, why this authentic journey is so important to me, but I've met people that could never come out being gay and went an entirely different path. And you just, it breaks my heart because I can't imagine what kind of energy that has on their soul. And, and maybe I have no business thinking those things, but, um, people are doing it all the time. They're denying themselves. They're denying they want children because their partner doesn't, or um, they have children and they don't want them. Um, they think that they need to be in this certain career because someone told them. Uh, they don't leave their home state because they feel some sort of guilt. Like this is happening all the time and it doesn't have to be your sexuality or how you look. In some ways, I feel like being gay has been a blessing of that because, you know, I know what it means to come out of the closet and to risk it all to know that my family could potentially abandon me and have to be okay with myself enough to know that if they do leave me, I'm going to be fine. And it's not my loss. It's theirs. Right. You know, it's interesting because my little cousins are 14 and 12 and I just had a conversation tonight with their mom about sexuality and the challenges of raising two kids in this day and age with sexuality and um, gender, essentially just gender. And I was like, although I had an idea when I was their age, like all I gave a shit about was basketball. Like (laughs) there wasn't, like, I didn't care about anything about related to like sexuality or gender. Like, yeah, I knew that like, I was definitely not attracted to the boys, but like, it was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna force this, you know? And then I was like, but it was so hard to come out, you know? And it was all of these confounding ideas of like, am I gonna be disowned? Am I gonna be able to go to college? Yeah. If, if these people that I like, go to college for and play basketball for if they find out like are they going to kick me out of school like these are the thoughts that like I think compounded the brain for me when I was 18 19 20 and now it's like being gay being gender fluid being you know whatever along the spectrum is like almost it's just like not easy but it's like it's just so, what's the word? Um, it's just so relevant, you know? And so it's like not a big deal anymore. Obviously it can be a big deal, but it's just like, oh yeah, like they're bi or like they're gender fluid or they're, you know, they're gay or they're a lesbian or whatever. And it's just like talked with like such ease, you know? Whereas before it was like, what, what, you're what? 
you what <laughs> you're like uh okay never mind <laughs> yeah and you it's know? really different to like you we live on the west coast but we grew up you know <laughs> michigan and right. i don't know how you feel when you go home but i in a lot of ways hate going home there's parts of michigan yeah. where i don't feel safe i'll actively wait for my mother to use the restroom Mm-hmm. so that I can go in the bathroom at the same time as her because mm-hmm. I legit have fear of what right. someone will do. And now you have, yeah. not to go down oh, the yeah. political train, but you drive around Michigan and there's Trump flags everywhere. Why would I believe I'm safe? Right. Why would I believe that? And then you come here and like, you know, I just started a new job last week and I'm meeting people that I'm going to be working with. And um, someone asked me, was like, is hers okay? Because they said, oh, she is this. And like, oh, is she, is she okay pronouns? Like, <laughs> it's just a totally different world where, you know, back at home, you look the way you look and people have quite, what's interesting though, is they know that you like, you, you're not what they, their brain's telling them that you are. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they know that you're not a boy because they wouldn't be being so awkward if they didn't know you, you were, weren't a boy, but at the same time, they can't regulate that. And I know part of, there's a lot of nuances, right? Like the more you're exposed to things the more normalizes it, things of that nature. I'm not trying to discredit rural America. That's not the goal here. But when you look like we look for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, it, it's, it immediately stirs the pot just by showing up. Right. right. It's like skin, well, color. not like skin color, but I mean, there's certain, we can't hide being gay, right? right. It's not it's not an option. The way that yeah. I feel the most authentic, the way that I feel the best version of myself is going to be how I present into the world. And it's- And I'm, a James I'm, Bond tux. Yeah. <laughs> My James Bond tux. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but for serious. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, I love a good tux. <laughs> yeah. I love a good tux. If I can wear a tux- People don't dress like that here. It's kind of sad. Like I get like put a suit on or I put a tie on and people look at me like, why, bro? Why are you so dressed up? <laughs> yeah, why? Where are your board shorts? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have my board shorts too. I just, I don't know. I feel good. Like I literally feel my best version of myself when I have a fucking suit on. I just do. I don't, I don't well, yeah. explain it. I just, that's how I feel. Yeah. There's just, there is some truth to the statement of like, you look good you feel good, you perform, you perform good. Yeah. Like I, I'm working from home now. I know it's only been, you know, 10 days, but I still get up and I get ready. Like I'm going, like I'm going to the office. I wear normal clothes the whole time I'm home because, you know, one, it helps me separate my house. So my house doesn't become my work mentally. Um, and I just feel better. Like, I I don't know. I just. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's um, important. yeah, I mean, and then, you know, and, and, and you're owed it. Like, again, going back to the gift, it's a gift to give to yourself that, or like you said, if your tank isn't full, like you can't, you can't give something away if you don't have it. If you don't have energy, you can't give energy back. And then mm-hmm. if you're depleted, that does stuff to you. Like nothing is benign at all. Nothing it all has some sort of reaction in your life. Something's got to give somewhere. And and it balances, you know, a dance. You know, I I read a book by um, Oriah the Mountain Dreamer. You know, Oriah? Mm -hmm. I love her. That, that, um, um, her one poem is like one of my favorite poems ever. The tell me, it doesn't interest me what you do for a living. Tell Mm -hmm. me, oh God, so good. Oh, so she has a book. And um, she talks about these three components for us to be the best version of ourselves. And she claims it as um, she uses like a a diagram of three circles that are overlapping. One is sexuality, one is art, and one is spirituality. And if it's essentially like 100% for you to be the best version of yourself, that doesn't mean that um, you you can't be 100% spiritual and not tap into the other things. You have to be sometimes 50% in 25 and 25 and that it's perpetually fluctuating and changing all the time. And, you know, I, I would add probably my own circles inside of that for my own version of truth, but there's so much realness inside of that because we do need to create, we, we do 
need to be in nature and to be moving our bodies. And we need some version of spirituality, even if it means just meditation for you. You need some mm -hmm. sort of practice to make you feel aligned in your highest version of yourself. And it's just right. important. And, and, and it can change. Like you can, it can change for you. I used to go to church. Well, I, I grew up Catholic, left the church, then came back. And then I don't go anymore because one day I just was like, yeah, I don't want God just based off of stories and sermons. I want, I want, I've had some of the deepest spiritual conversations with people at a bar, a gay bar that felt disowned by faith and religion because of their sexuality. And those are some of the most brilliant conversations I've had with atheists, with people that believe otherwise and it wasn't in a church. <laughs> it was literally at a bar having a vodka soda with a stranger that I, I can't even tell you some of these people's names. Right. But that's, that's the gift, though, of, of doing the work and fully showing up like the person that you saw at the lake. When you're showing up, that's going to come back to you and you're going to grow and that person's going to grow. And then, you know, it's like a hundredth monkey theory for me, like it's only going to pull humanity forward too because we, we won't leave anybody behind. We can't leave anybody behind. There is going to be a tipping point, but if we don't all, I mean, I'm not, I, I want to be careful when I say if we don't all, because in some capacity we all are, and it all looks a little bit different, but I just think about what we would be as a species, as um, a planet, if, we just dabbled a little bit into this stuff to align ourselves more authentically. Right. What would that look like? Like politics wouldn't even have to exist because right. there's no room for a liberal conservative. There's no room for, <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Like there's, mm -hmm. you can't be a liberal Republican. You can't be conservative Democrat. Like, but, but we made this polarization that doesn't make any sense because we live in the grayness of being a human it's way right. more ambiguous than that it's not just one party or the other party it, it's so much more and if we don't take the yeah. time to know myself so i know what that more means for me and what i believe in i can't see the person that i'm quote unquote arguing against or don't agree with i can't see them one, one i'm going to dehumanize them first of all so now whatever their world whatever their life is it doesn't matter to me because i've separated them they are no longer human to me but if you listen to story because you've been able to do the work on yourself, when you can listen to somebody's story, even if you don't agree with them, the humanity comes back into it. And again, the emotions come back into it. And even if I don't get that they're afraid that they're going to lose their privilege, I don't even know how to wrap my mind around what that means as an example, but I can know what it's like to be afraid or I can right. know what it's like to be afraid to not belong or that something I believe in isn't true and that's really hard stuff it's really hard and now we're overexposed with social media of all these things that we didn't even know existed or have existed this whole time but there was no way for us to have access to it you know native americans yeah. celebrated trans people right. they were considered spirited right and then white america tried to remove their history right I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I could go on and on about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you could how, talk about how we've been friends since we were like 16 years old and are still right. going down these rabbit holes of um, these types of conversations. So right. I want to go on for hours for sure. Yeah. So we won't um, bore the <laughs> listeners, though, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with our tangents. Um, I, I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're you're doing your respite and trying to reground yourself and so you can yeah, of course. humanity. It's super cool. Um, in a dark, dark time. And I also, you know, I, I don't feel like I tell you enough when, that I see you and I know you're tired, but I'm so grateful for the work that you do. Um, you, you help make humanity better and I'm just grateful for you. Well, I'm grateful for you too, buddy. Cause most of the time you keep me sane. <laughs> 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 So it's perfect. Yeah.
Um, is there is there any social media that you would like to send people to to check you out, or is there like a nonprofit or an org you you would like to, to have send people to? Um, I would just have I would just send people to um, the human rights campaign, mm-hmm. just because I think um, that's important for all of us, regardless of sexual orientation or gender or whatever. Yeah. That, is a big one for the world right now. Yeah, for sure. Today's an exciting day, huh? It's starting to yeah. the Equality Act. It is. Crazy um, times. Crazy times. Yeah. But, yeah, I appreciate you doing this and <laughs> um, trying to make a difference in this way, in this regard. Well, I, I'm passionate about it. I believe in it. I believe in humanity. And I think everybody can have these conversations. I just don't know if everybody knows that they can. So right. I... I um, I am grateful for the people that are willing to talk and share their stories because that's hard too. You know, there's people that aren't ready to share and there's trauma and there's a lot of things that are really hard that you have to work to a place where you feel good and safe sharing something that's sacred and you can walk away feeling like a part of yourself didn't leave in a bad way. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, when you, when you show up, like you've talked about, when you show up as your authentic self, it gives people that, a little bit of courage to show up in their own authentic self. Um, and I think I take right, like I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in showing up at work and with my crystals in my pocket <laughs> and, um, and not afraid to talk about the things that I'm passionate about. Um, kind of sometimes with a selective crew of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, still being able to like have those conversations and, um, just show up in that way that I'm not afraid to be who I am, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a whole, learning who you can't share with is like a whole hour podcast and two decades, actually I'll say three decades of my life of figuring out that person got way too much of me just then and they didn't earn, they didn't deserve it. Um, Yeah. Because you're sacred. sacred. Yeah. I just, I think it just allows everyone else to, to be like, oh, well, like if she can show up and bring crystals to work and, and, and be her own authentic self, then maybe I can. And maybe my idea about this or that isn't so absurd after all, you know? Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. Yeah. All right, buddy. Rest all well. Right, dude. Appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, dude. All right. Take it easy. Yeah, you too. Bye. I'm just really grateful for uh, just having people in my life like Lydia and just friends that, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, talking about how, you know, we might have matured a little bit more on what we talk about in our growth journey. You know, at 16, it's like, or even like 20s, like coming out, what does it mean to be gay? And just learning to come out even to each other as friends and trusting, trusting ourselves enough to know that that's our truth. And standing in that boldly and just what that means moving forward and, you know, reflecting back on the ability to share your story is such a gift. And it, sometimes it does take time. Sometimes you're not ready right now and that's okay. Sometimes um, you don't have the language for it. Sometimes things get buried and they don't come out for a decade or more later. And that's also okay. I think if anything, what is beautiful about all of that is it just shows that as a species, we have the capacity to remember and unpack and rationalize and critically think through things to get us to where we are going. And it's really important. You know, what I'm learning today is not anywhere near the same thing I was learning even a year ago. I mean, let's look at COVID. You know, we're a year into this now and what we knew last year in March, 2020 is not the same as March 2021. And we're still learning new stuff every single day as we roll out the vaccine and things of that nature. So if you look at something just as simple as that, I mean, a pandemic isn't simple, let me be clear, but um, just looking at the way life shows up for you in a way that's unexpected and maybe you couldn't talk about a lot of things throughout this last year, but now you can. And so I, I appreciate the people that are really leaning into those stories and experiences and 
trying to figure out what that means for them, for who they are, who who they are becoming, and um, does that align with who I am right now? Because who you are today isn't who you were yesterday, and it's not going to be who you are tomorrow, and that's okay. You know, it's this is a a spectrum. Um, you know, this isn't a final destination that you type in an equation and it's perfect and you get there. This is just grapple with life and try to have clear eyes and an open heart to see what it's offering you. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for being here.